the tension in Israel is, in, in my view, is one of the challenges that the world is facing, which is inequalities. It's the, the tension between those who are part of the force that is moving forward, that is rushing ahead, and those that are lagging behind. You need to close that gap. It's not only about growth, it's growth, it's closure, the gaps of those who are left behind. So how do you get more people to participate in the game, to be part of it? From McKinsey Strategy and Corporate Finance Practice, I'm Sean Brown, and welcome to Inside the Strategy Room. You just heard from Hemi Perez, who's speaking today with our senior partner, Eric Roth, in our second of two podcasts on Israel's vibrant startup ecosystem. It's part of our Committed Innovator series of discussions between Eric and leading innovators. In addition to Hemi, Eric is joined by Arvi Hassan. Both Hemi and Avi are deeply involved in growing and strengthening Israel's startup ecosystem. Hemi is chair of the Perez Center for Peace and Innovation, which was started by his father, the former Prime Minister of Israel, Shimon Perez. He's also co-founder and managing partner of the Israeli venture capital firm, Patango. Arvi is CEO of Startup National Central, a not-for-profit organization that promotes Israel's startup ecosystem. Previously, Arvi served as chief scientist of Israel's Ministry of Economy. If you haven't already listened to last week's episode, we'd encourage you to hit pause now and start there. The first part of this conversation will give you a good understanding of how Israel built such a successful startup ecosystem. Assuming you're up to date, let's continue and dive into this second episode where Hemi and Arvi talk about what the future holds for Israel's startup scene. Now, here's Eric. So given where we are today, post-pandemic, perhaps on the verge of uh, an economic crisis that, depending on who you ask, could last a short amount of time or perhaps an extended period of time, where does Israel sit today relative to innovation and its role in powering innovation for the world going forward? So in order to understand where Israel is, we have to first take a look at the global scenery, at least as we see it at the Paris Center for Peace and Innovation. We are entering a new era of global threats, and Corona has been probably the, the first time the world has encountered something that attacked all of us at the same time, forced us for solidarity and working together, and told us that with technology and innovation, we can actually survive and we can sustain our activities. Uh, a lot of people adapted to new technologies. They learned how to deal with global uh, digital networks. And we discovered the world is not just geographically structured, but also there is a physical and digital sphere. So going forward, we are going to deal with global threats. Uh, climate change is one, cybersecurity is one, pandemics is one, there's inequalities. There's a lot of issues that are addressing us all, while every company and every business will have to deal separately in those challenges, no single country can sustain by itself. It has to be based on global collaboration and global affairs. So I believe that the two most important values for the world is number one, solidarity, working together, and secondly, trying to repair the world with innovation, tikkun olam. Israel is at the heart of this transformation, um, and it is, a, a, it is a country that combines both the ability of tikkun olam, of repairing the world with innovation, but also with the values 
and the mission statement of solidarity. And for example, we believe in the Paris Center for Peace and Innovation that peace will be achieved with innovation, with entrepreneurship, with solidarity. And we believe that innovation is the other side of the coin of peace or the currency in which we invest in order to change the future. We believe that we have an opportunity now with the Abraham Accords and with the transformation that is taking place in the world to really shape a new tomorrow that everyone can be part of. We are now entering an age of peace with innovation, and we definitely see those ideas and those values embedded in the companies that we're investing now. So as someone who also believes that innovation can be something as a force for good and peace. There is a reality, however, that the ways technology is being developed across the world are different. Some might argue certain countries have chosen a posture to create more walled gardens around their technology, whether it be the stack, to how their social media is monitored, to other attributes of their, their own technology ecosystems. And it's not just China, it's other markets as well who have made similar choices. As you think about Israel and its unique position in the world, both from its neighbors as well as its role on the global stage, can innovation really achieve what you're describing, which is jump borders, jump technology walls, and bring people together for a more common good? Absolutely. For me, when I look at Israel, I imagine a tree. Okay, a tree has very deep roots and it can grow up and bear fruits. And a tree can become strong and successful not on the account of other trees, side by side. In the old world, in order to be successful, somebody had to lose. It was a world of winners and losers. In the new world, when you have technology and innovation, you can actually cover up for all your scarcities and all your needs. You need more energy, you need more food, you need more whatever. You can achieve that with technology and with innovation, and you can become strong not on the expense of others. For me, the most important part as we are approaching the global threats era is to have very strong trees, but working together as a forest, collaborating in order to weather the storm. The pandemic could have not been stopped by one single country. And as someone said, it will never be over anywhere before it's over everywhere. And so solidarity is a must and working beyond borders is a must. Of course, there are countries that are trying to do things and they are leveraging technology in a bad manner, but it's an absolutely necessity for the world to go beyond that point into solidarity and make sure that everyone is a strong tree in a very large forest that can actually weather the storms. So if Israel is one of the gardens, if you will, that these trees from, from which these trees will grow, linking it back to our prior conversation, how does the Israeli ecosystem then spread its branches to embrace the world in such a way that it can be a, you know, stimulate the kind of innovation that will achieve the goals that you're describing? One of the reasons Israel has a very good chance to play that role that Chemi has depicted for us is the fact that from the very early days, we were tightly coupled to the global value chains. And because of things we spoke in the last episode, not having a local market, needing to rely on global funding and so on, it was always built on partnership. 
That's the story of Israeli innovation, always has been on all fronts. So uh, there's a, a natural affinity and practical experience of dealing with strategic partners or other countries from other cultures. True, we traditionally looked west into the U.S. mostly, but over the last years, we've gained experience also in interacting with other hubs or other potential partners as such. At Startup Nation Central, innovation diplomacy is one of our strategic pillars. We actually think or look at what Israel can offer innovation as an asset that can create and nurture, establish, deepen those type of relationship, which, I, again, here I agree with Chemi, this is not a zero-sum game. It's knowledge has a sort of attribute which is unique to this specific asset, right? If I have a dollar and Chemi has a dollar and we each give each other our dollar, we still have a dollar, not an interesting deal. If I have an idea and he has an idea and we exchange those ideas, we now have two ideas each. That, that's great. And, and what we've seen, and we can talk about the challenges, which I think you, you asked about, I truly believe that most of Israel's challenges in maintaining that leadership or being on the podium of medals can be solved through partnerships. It's not a threat. Uh, human capital challenge is one that we have. We need more people. But those people could actually be offshore setting in countries like Morocco or Bahrain or other countries. And this is happening as we speak. It's not, it's not theoretical. Uh, we need, as Chemi said, to solve some of our shared challenges, be it health or climate or food security. Again, this can be done and should be done by working with others. So let's, let's spend a minute on the challenges. So there are the sort of the global challenges, Chemi, as you, you described. But what are, what are the Israeli ecosystem challenges as you think about perhaps creating different kinds of partnerships, uh, scaling, capital flows. W where are you seeing the tensions in the system today? The tension in Israel is, in, in my view, is one of the challenges that the world is facing, which is inequalities. It's the, the tension between those who are part of the force that is moving forward, that is rushing ahead, and those that are lagging behind. You need to close that gap. It's not only about growth. It's growth, it's closure, the gaps of those who are left behind. So how do you get more people to participate in the game, to be part of it? Avi spoke about uh, innovation diplomacy. At the Paris Center, we talk about innovation affairs as, as opposed to foreign affairs, partnerships and collaboration, pretty much like what Startup Nation Central is doing, maybe uh, tactically a little bit different. But also we put a lot of effort to bring parts of our society to the Paris Center for Peace and Innovation to see the story of Israel. And we have visitors from all over the country. We have secular and religious people, Arabs and Jews. And some of them do not even know what Israel has managed to offer the world and deliver the world with kind of technologies and solutions. And they are very proud in taking a look at it. And our message is that in this world that is moving forward, everyone needs to be a little bit more entrepreneurial, a little bit more innovator, a little bit more tapped into this fast-moving world that is changing so fast. So for us, the challenge is how to scale up our ecosystem, but how to make it more cohesive so there are not parts that are left behind. That, that in my view, is the biggest challenge. If I just may relate to that, because again, I want to add, not oppose in this case, the, va <laughs> the value approach, but add a purely economic practical and instrumental view to it. There is no way to have sustainable growth as an ecosystem unless you widen the base of the pyramid. It just doesn't work. Israel has today 10.4% of its workforce working in high tech. 
That's the highest in the world. It's double than most advanced countries have. Government has set up a goal of 15% and we might get to that. But my point is, even if we do get to that, it's not enough. We need more people. We need more parts of the economy to play the high productivity and innovative games. Otherwise, besides the inequality, the, the, the social questions it brings about, we're just not going to have a, a, a growing economy unless we achieve that. So that, that. That's a super important point to me, regardless of where, where you're coming from. Do, do you believe that the, the challenge may lie in the sense that a lot of the problems that Israel and the Israeli innovation ecosystem were solving were really, I want to use the words domestic, but localized. They were the security, water, uh, sustainability, agriculture. And you can see all the great innovation that flourished from attacking those challenges. As the challenges migrate from more localized to more globalized, does, it, does, Israel, does Israel struggle? All are, in my view, all of our local problems are global. I, I agree. Shortage of water, shortage of wood, water desalination, desertation, health, transportation, everything is. We don't do here anything that is pure local because we don't have a market to serve. And I think that the, the challenge is the talent is equally distributed, but the opportunities are not equally presented. And what we need to do is to be able to present the opportunities. And, but I, I agree with uh, what Avi said. For Israel, the future of Israel is about innovation. We'll never be attractive enough as a, as a market or as a local place that attracts tourism or trade or anything. We can only flourish if we are a source of problem solvings and introducing new things for the world. And we need to have more participants. So, so then looking forward, how does Israel start to solve that? So you talked about connecting to other population centers, either locally or further away through technology. What are the other things that Israel now needs to do to evolve its innovation ecosystem in order to achieve what you're describing? One of the things, for example, is introducing those opportunities equally. So, for example, we invested in a company called Master School that is trying to build the largest school and center of employment for people. What we see today in the world, and in Israel as well, is the biggest human migration that is not physical, but people are moving from old jobs to new jobs. By the way, in my view, this is what is creating this inflation of scarcity. So a lot of people are leaving their workplaces in services, in, in manufacturing, in logistics, in different uh, markets, and are migrating to the high-tech ecosystem, whether it's the geek economy or, or part of the, the high-tech sector. And that transformation will yield in reviving the economy and making the world much more resilient, much more productive. So the global crisis that we're talking about right now is really a shift that creates local scarcity, that creates the inflation, and everybody is worried about it. But some people call it the quiet resignation, some people call it the great resignation, some people call it transformation to the digital age, but that is what is happening. A lot of people are moving into new industries, into new professions, where they can make a better living and they can be part of a more advanced ecosystem and economy. And it will drive the economy forward. When you think about Corona, it was the first time the world has agreed to ruin its economy, but to save life, not to kill each other, unlike the Second World War. 
The way to recuperate is by increasing productivity and being more resilient. That will happen where more and more people shift to sectors that are related to the technology sectors. I, I, think, I think as a country what we need to do, and again, I think it's interesting because the same challenges are shared by most countries, I would say. A, create multiple entry gates to the process Chemi talked about, so that not just graduates of computer science or EE faculties at leading universities should be able to be active players in the high-tech market or, or in the high-technology market. And, and this includes a lot of things which are happening in Israel, like from boot camps to, to master school-like programs to many, many different aspects. And I think another aspect, of course, is diversifying the sector. And once you move to, you know, both vertically, so not just cybersecurity, but also add financial technology and bioconvergence, a lot of sectors, but also in terms of the professions not just engineers, you have customer support people, you have designers, you have a whole lot of people who can be part of the high-tech industry, even if they're not the type of person you think about. So bringing those underrepresented sectors, in Israel, you know, yes, they're mostly of the Arab, the Arab minority, the ultra-Orthodox, but every country has a similar sector which is underrepresented and could be a great contributor to the high-tech sector. That, that's, I would say, the number one, two, and three challenge of the ecosystem, and a lot is being done also by, by us at Startup Nation Central in order to, to mitigate that risk. So with the risk of, of looking forward, Crystal Ball, if we roll a clock 10, 15 years from now, Israel has solved its equality and diversity challenge. It's connected even more to the global centers around the world. What does the innovation ecosystem look like in Israel? I'm very bullish on the state of Israel. I think that we're going into an unprecedented uh, decade of growth, of growing in uh, participation, of breaking new records, uh, breaking new glass ceilings that, so to speak, are hovering above us. I think Israel is a country on steroids. The potential is huge. I do believe that we will be able to inject more content into the Abraham Accords, into the normalization, which will not only open up the region, but it will have a ripple effect on the, the entire global industry, the way they look at Israel, they look, the way they, they conceive the potential that has been born in this region, because this region has huge potential to go, to go forward. So... I'm a believer that Israel will become part of the solution of the region, not part of the problem of the region. And I believe the world will move more into solidarity and will understand that we need to be trees that are forming a forest and not single trees isolated from the others. And I think we will be able to scale faster than we, ever, we were ever been able to do. And not only that, we will close the time gap, we're going to, to be ahead of the curve in many areas. So I'm, I'm <laughs> suggesting anybody who listens to come to Israel to learn, to experience, to invest, and to scale up with us, because I think the potential of this country is so huge. And all you need is really time and tradition and further cultivating the culture. But I think the potential is unlimited, in my view. So I, I think it's probably the worst mistake one can do as once you're ahead is to be arrogant and think that what you did will work tomorrow. And, and, and I think Israelis have that 
notion that we understand that we need to run extremely fast just to stay in the same place. The reason I'm equally optimistic like Chemi is that I think a lot of the attributes that brought Israel into what it is today are exactly the same things that will be needed in order to achieve the vision that we just heard about. Because Israelis always had that agility of moving along the big challenges, the problems, adapting their capabilities really more efficiently than any other place I have seen. And the ecosystem has really shown its strength of figuring out a lot of it through those relationships with the big corporates and the markets. What are the next challenges? And then coming up with the right solutions. And as long as we continue doing that, demand is, is, well, unfortunately, I would say, I would hope that the world problems will disappear, but I'm, I'm afraid they're not. And I think Israel has both the infrastructure and the right culture to tackle some of those challenges. I think the, the problem, though, will be the cost of living here. Because, you know, people say, you know, the prices of housing are rising. There's no way we can deal with it. I'm saying it's bad, but it's also good. It also shows you that demand is there, that we, people want to live, for example, in Tel Aviv. They are willing to pay high prices in order to be part of that community. So it says something about the country and its potential. Attracting people. Attracting and, people. and uh, the value goes up as a result. Does that create a challenge, though, for your point on equality? So as, as the cost of living goes up, Ab- so absolutely. you need to counterbalance that with something. But, but though, you right? need new ways of thinking about everything. If you really want to sustain yourself as a, as a strong country, um, what do you do about, how do you go about education, about housing, about making life more affordable? There are different ways that we need to do than we did in the past. There's, we cannot do marginal steps. There are some things that we need to disrupt fundamentally and solve it. But you cannot solve it in the old traditional way. You cannot take prices in Tel Aviv down. It's, it's not going to go down. But you can create new tools to allow more people to be part of it and enjoy it without enslaving their entire future into economically, at least, in, in order to, to be able to, to be part of it. And, and does the, the nature of technology also need to change? So many know that a lot of the technologies and the talent do come from the military, do come from the defense spending, which is not uncommon, by the way, for many countries. Given that's such an important part of the model and we're headed, hopefully, to a time of greater peace, does Israel need to think differently about how it sources technology? In my view, 100%. Source of innovation is changing. It's going to be part of research universities and institutions. The shift is from necessity to purpose. Uh, that's one. The second thing that I see is that, and it's a phrase that I learned from Bill Clinton, which I loved very much. He said a lot of people are putting a lot of effort in, in order to make sure that bad things do not happen, but very few put enough energy to make sure that good things happen. And for example, when I see someone leaving the military, a cyber unit, and is building a digital health company, For me, that's a shift from making sure that bad things do not happen to making sure that good things happen. And those two shifts, source of innovation and purpose of innovation, are very significant for the world and for Israel in order to maintain its position in in the forefront of science and technology. This is a big challenge for us. I I would just add to that uh, collaboration again, which I think is key. 
I think a lot of the next generation solutions are going to be interdisciplinary by nature. And you need multiple types of organizations working together in order to solve them. Hospitals along with software companies, research universities along with military units. And if you look into the utilities of the future, they're pretty much the same. And we all, we all know about AI and data, but the, the same AI utility can be applied to many different problems. So I think the purpose part is really going to want to make the difference. So where do you put the brain power into use? Well, I hope that more people from Israel and quite honestly everywhere else in the world start to focus on how do we do more good. And with that in mind, I want to thank both of you for your contributions to that, to joining us here today. The discussion was amazing in its view of both of the history of where Israel has come from and the promise of where Israel hopefully will get to. So I want to thank uh, Avi Chemi very, very much on, on joining today. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. And thanks, uh, Startup Nation Central, for hosting us. Thanks for listening. You can find a transcript of this conversation at mckinsey.com slash committed innovator. You can find other episodes in our innovation series via the link in today's show notes and by searching for Committed Innovator in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to share feedback or an idea for a future podcast, please email us at insidethestrategyroom at mckinsey.com or share your ratings and reviews on your favorite podcast player. Thank you to all our listeners who've already reached out and shared suggestions and rated and reviewed the podcast. We really appreciate all of your comments and feedback. Please keep them coming. If you'd like to listen to additional episodes of Inside the Strategy Room, we encourage you to subscribe on your podcast player, where you can also access our entire library of nearly 150 previous episodes. You can also visit our Inside the Strategy Room podcast collection page at mckinsey.com ITSR, which also includes all of our podcast transcripts. Finally, if you'd like to receive alerts on our latest insights on strategy and corporate finance, you can sign up on our Practice Insights page at mckinsey.com slash SCF. Follow us on Twitter at MCK Strategy or connect with us on LinkedIn on the McKinsey Strategy and Corporate Finance Practice page. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to having you join us again next week inside the Strategy Room.